0: Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? As always, I'm your host, Courtney, and today we are talking about an interesting combo, politics and beer in Chicago. That weirdly rhymes. We are talking about the beer riots of Chicago from 1855, a catalyst to non-Native Americans being instrumental in local elections, aka getting the immigration vote. As it is classified in history, the lager beer riot occurred on April 21st, 1855 in Chicago, Illinois, and was the first major civil disturbance in the city. Considering where Chicago goes by the time Al Capone is around, this isn't surprising, but the fact that beer, of all things, is the one to pop the civil disturbance cherry is, well, interesting, to say the least. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the riot, let's talk about Chi-Town and its history. With a small but mighty population of 80,000, Strengthened by a rapid growth in the 1840s and 1850s from Irish and German immigrants, Chicago was developing into an attractive opportunity for many immigrants. Just as any other major city in the 19th century, the jobs for immigrants were low-paying and usually highly physically demanding. However, these were still better than what was available for them back home for the majority. These new immigrants lived in their own sections of town and brought much of their home country culture as well as pastimes with them. For many Germans, they would work six days a week, with Sunday being the day of socializing. I love that. The socializing would take place in northern Chicago taverns. German-language newspapers, such as the Illinois Zuting and social movements like the Turners, male and German craft unions gave the German population of Chicago a high degree of social and political cohesiveness. Many of these immigrants had participated in the 1848 revolutions across Europe and were accustomed to demonstrations for political reasons. Many of these Germans that consider themselves to be 48ers and demonstrated in the revolutions believed in unifying all of the German states and that all humans deserve basic human rights. When that was not granted to them during their protests and riots in Germany, many left their homeland and went looking to new lands and cities, bringing their culture and skill sets with them. Many of these immigrants that came to America after the failed 1848 revolution were wealthy with desirable skills. They did not fit the nativist view of the poor, uneducated, lazy immigrants that were taking over cities. And this is important to remember for later. Germans migrated to developing Midwestern and Southern cities, developing the beer and wine industries in several locations, thank Fredericksburg in Texas, and advancing journalism. Others developed thriving agriculture communities. When it came to Chicago, it was journalism and beer, two amazing things. And these two industries under German leadership and ownership excelled in Chicago. It even did well with other immigrants and American-born residents. Now that we've established the backstory for the Germans living there, let's focus on the native culture, aka the nativists, aka the Know-Nothing Party, as well as the mayor of Chicago. All over the country, there was a widespread of distrust when it came to Catholics and immigrants. Many newspapers and politicians depicted immigrants as drunks and part of a ploy for the Pope to take over the U.S. if they were Catholic. Somehow Catholics in the U.S. are going to instate like the Pope as being in charge of everything. It's a weird, not conspiracy theory, but a thought process. And I just, I don't understand it. I don't think the Pope would want us, especially in the 19th century. Anyways, because of the drunk portrayal, many nativists gravitated towards anti-alcoholism or a movement called temperance. The temperance movement was dedicated to promoting moderation and, more often, complete abstinence in the use of beer and liquor. During the 1850s, the temperance movement was gaining momentum across the country. Even though it wasn't exactly outright winning elections on just the temperance platform alone at that time, many politicians received votes or lost votes based on on their stance on temperance alone. In the Chicago mayoral election of 1854, the Temperance Party candidate Amos Throop lost by a margin of nearly 20% to Isaac Lawrence Millikan. Nevertheless, after winning the election, Millikan declared himself in favor of Temperance as well. Well, way to fuck it up and hoodwink your constituents, Millikan. Within a year, Chicagoans were like, get out of here. He lost the following year to Levi Boone, the American Party candidate, aka the Know Nothing Party. Levi Boone ran on an anti-immigrant and anti-Catholic platform, the Know-Nothing Party, which garnered him enough support to win the election. The Know-Nothing Party nationally had been feeding off the swell of nationalist sentiments brewing in the nation in the 1840s and 50s. One day, I'll go over the Know-Nothing Party in depth. One day, it's going to happen. Anyways, in his inauguration speech, Mayor Boone stated, Quote, I cannot be blind to the existence in our midst of a powerful politico religious organization, all its members owing and its chief officers bound under an oath of allegiance to the temporal as well as the spiritual supremacy of a foreign despot. End quote. To break this down, Mayor Boone was scared Catholics from Europe were helping the Pope somehow rule the U.S. and that drinking was also horrid. Associated with his fear of foreigners, Boone, a Baptist and temperance advocate, believe that the Sabbath was profaned by having drinking establishments open on Sundays. As I mentioned earlier, Sundays were for the boys. We have gymnastics, taverns, and our social time, and beer. Beer really is important to the Germans. One visitor to Chicago wrote, quote, every other male engaged in selling beer and the rest of the men, women, and children consume it, end quote. Beer was more than a beverage. It was an integral cultural handhold for immigrants settling into a new home. For those making or selling it, beer represented their economic livelihood. Local German brewers like John Hook and Conrad Siep eagerly provided lager beer for saloons, whose daily shipment could run dry by three in the afternoon. Outdoor beer gardens filled each Sunday with music and dancing as families celebrated the end of another work week. And I promise it wasn't just Germans or immigrants that were in these beer saloons. A lot of native Chicagoans were also there, too. The push of the temperance movement onto everyone was seen in the eyes of immigrants as a means of control used by the elites to further control the working class. With some laws passing across the country to limit or outright prohibit alcohol in cities and counties, Germans that owned taverns in Chicago were absolutely in their right to be concerned with Boone winning the election. On March 6, 1855, a law and order coalition swept city elections, including the mayoral candidate Levi Boone. The coalition was formed by anti-immigrant, anti-Catholic nativists, the Know-Nothing Party, and temperance advocates who were interested in moral reform and public order. With law and order came a huge wave of new police officers, many bringing with them their anti-immigrant and anti-Catholic ideology. Once elected, Mayor Levi Boone and the new city council majority hiked liquor license fees 500%. This went from $50 to $300, and shortening licensing terms from one year to three months, making them have to be renewed quarterly. A three-month moratorium on issuing any new licenses was also ordered by the mayor. Although Boone's actions were in anticipation of the state of Illinois enacting a law similar to the one that passed in Maine by a referendum that would prohibit the sale of alcohol for recreational purposes, the referendum failed in June 1855 by statewide vote of 54% to 46%. While prohibition passed in 1919 and went into effect in 1920, many states, counties, and cities had decided on their own if they wanted to be dry or wet. But let's get back to the story at hand. When you look at this, immigrants were the real target of Boone's agenda. Each Sunday, the police closely watched German owned beer halls to prevent illegal sales, while nativist haunts were given a wink and a nod. Valentin Blatz. A German saloon owner responded by closing his curtains and stacking empty beer glasses against his windows, dampening sounds so passing police could not hear the ruckus inside. His customers, meanwhile, entered through a secret door in the adjacent physician's office. German neighborhoods reacted quickly, accusing Boone of stripping their rights and marginalizing them based on their ethnicity. The backlash started peacefully. Germans held public meetings and submitted numerous petitions. The city rejected them all. Obviously, when you know what you're about to do is going to go down poorly with others, you take some action. So Mayor Boone, quote unquote, reformed the city's police force. When it came to hiring, Boone said to only hire men, quote, of strong physical powers, sober, regular habits and known moral integrity, end quote. Read, no immigrants need apply. While doing this, he tripled the police force size, hired mostly nativists to Chicago with similar views to himself, required police to wear uniforms for the first time, and directed them to enforce a defunct ordinance requiring the Sunday closing of taverns and saloons. These were intentionally provocative acts that were aimed at German and Irish immigrants that had become accustomed to spending their leisure hours in drinking establishments. This was also how many of these immigrants made most of their livelihood. So, this mayor that didn't like them for existing was now trying to make them fit into the image of a poor and drunk immigrant. Boone's new policies had police officers making hundreds of arrests for violation of the Sunday temperance ordinances, and soon the courts were clogged with cases. Germans organized to resist the $300 license ordinance, raising defense funds for tavern owners arrested for noncompliance just like they did in the 1848 revolutions. Germans over here on point there, they already got a system there, they already went through this. They're like, we failed then, we ain't gonna fail now. To prevent a deadlock when trying each case, the courts agreed to let the verdict of one test case stand for all license violations. Poor judge Henry Rucker was given the job of presiding over a test case for the ordinance enforcement on April 21st, 1855. Well, this was the diocese in a fresh pitch, a match in an oil tank, this event dominated to the riot. If I was him, I probably would have just been like, well, shit. I know this isn't going to end well, but I'm just here to do this job. Marshall Lynch-style interviewing post football games. On the morning of April 21st, when the court was scheduled to deliver its opinion on the test case, hundreds of immigrants gathered on the north side and marched down Clark Street. I don't know much about Chicago. I've only been there a couple of times, but I assume that's an important street. They were determined to send a clear message and, if necessary, free their imprisoned comrades. They filled the courtroom, then the vestibule, then the outer hallways. Soon the police were summoned. With the waves of angry German and Irish immigrants storming the downtown area, the mayor ordered the swing bridges opened to stop further waves of protesters from crossing the river. As the mob was herded outside, an untimely shove from the police captain started a brawl in the street. Alderman Stephen LaRue, who represented a German ward, climbed atop a wagon amidst the melee no one knows whether he was calling for peace or egging the mob on for all he managed to say was my friends before police yanked him down and arrested him like i just imagine this man climbing on top of things just being yanked down and he goes my friends i don't know it sounds like a funny youtube or a funny tiktok slash instagram reel. though outnumbered the police scatter the rioters who retreated across the river Mayor Boone swore in 100 additional officers and called for militia reinforcements, convinced the mob of return. He was right. That afternoon, the reformed mob was spotted marching down Clark Street again, armed with revolvers, muskets, and various cudgels, things that hit people with. To buy time, Boone ordered the swing bridge at Clark Street opened, trapping the rioters across the river until he was ready for them. When the mob returned to Clark and Randolph, a wall of police were waiting for them. Someone yelled, pick out the stars, and both sides opened fire. One German was killed and numerous others were injured. Two officers were shot, but survived. According to the Tribune, the mob retreated into the area's numerous lager beer halls, which the police subsequently raided and arrested anyone with a weapon. Determined to enforce order, Boone declared martial law. Militia units and even cannons were deployed around the courthouse square, poised to fire in the mob should they return. They never did. After the hops had settled, Captain Leander Hunt from Hyde Park lost an arm in the riot. Rumors flew throughout the city that some of the protesters were killed, although there is no evidence to support this. Loaded cannons set on the public square contributed to these rumors. Boone's harsh tactics fractured his political coalition and inflamed the North Side. Without support, his policies faded. The license law barely lasted the summer. That June, the prohibition referendum failed in Chicago, and subsequently the state, thanks to unprecedented voter participation in the heavily German Northern wards. No one arrested during the riot ever faced punishment, and the Know-Nothings left office as quickly as they had come. Soon after the riot, several German beer halls opened on Randolph Street overlooking the courthouse. So a law that was not being enforced was enforced finally and caused a somewhat disaster to small breweries that were mostly owned by immigrants. This riot resulted in one death, 60 arrests that never faced punishment, and the beginning of political partnership in city elections. It mobilized Chicago's immigrant voters. Following the riot, Germans became more active in Chicago's political and cultural life than ever before. And today, the city embraces its German roots. In March 1856, a heavy German and Irish turnout defeated the nativists, causing the $50 liquor license to be restored, aka basically doing away with this horrible outlandish spike that Mayor Boone had put in. More important was the renewed attention to city elections on the part of the political party leaders ending the era of municipal non-partnership. Never again would city elections be of such limited interest that a small group of extremists could win outright. And I think that's a great lesson to kind of take away from this, that because of beer and the fact that you want to mess with someone's alcohol, that you absolutely can bring out voters or people who normally would not vote. Um, definitely think that this has happened in recent years, too. You give enough fear to anything, to one niche object or right that people think that they have or that they have and give them the fear that it's going to be taken away, absolutely you're going to mobilize people, whether it's for your own voting interests or someone else's. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of But Have You Heard About. As always, I'm your host, Courtney. Hope you learned a little bit about local elections, as well as alcohol and beer um, and the wonderful cultural history of Chicago. I just find it fascinating how immigrants had such a, huge impact um, and that they were absolutely a political voting machine that should have been utilized earlier by different parties. But here we are. So, you know, if any if any lesson was learned from this other than don't mess with Germans beers on their Sundays is that you should absolutely be voting in your local elections. They mean a lot because why would you not? You never know whose livelihood you can help impact in a positive light versus a negative light. With that, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, morning, evening, tea, run, whatever you may be doing. And we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs)